Content note, Veronica Mars contains heavy themes, and this episode includes storylines concerning murder, violence, addiction, and car crashes. A long time ago on Veronica Mars. Veronica has choices to make. New York City or Neptune, lawyering or private detectiving, Piz or Logan. Try to guess, go on, guess. <laughs> Armed with her favorite tools, a bug, a long lens, and a taser, Veronica closes in on Carrie's murderer, and it's not any of the candidates you thought it might be in the first half of the movie. It's the guy you barely saw at all. Cobb! Who? Cobb! What? You remember Cobb? No! Cobb! You can't make me. <laughs> the death toll rises. Deputy Sachs. Gia! Possibly a cat. And our beloved Keith ends up in the ICU. Sheriff Dan Lamb is happy to frame Logan, but doesn't want to catch the real killer. And plants a gun in Weevil's hand to make it look like Celeste shot him in self-defense. Veronica can't resist getting her teeth into all that Neptune corruption. Someone's messing with you. Probably me, that nosy bitch, Jenny (laughs) Owen Youngs. (laughs) And smelling like old sponge, I'm Helen Zaltzman. (laughs) You're listening to Veronica Mars Investigations. The Veronica Mars Movie Part 2 of 2. I think I actually enjoyed this movie more watching it in two parts because, like all of Veronica Mars, it's so packed with stuff and an hour and 40-something minutes of it is uh, a real head spinner, whereas this was more like watching a couple of action-filled episodes. I felt the same way when we watched it uh, together as a group like uh, the Twitter simul watch that we did, I had almost no idea what was happening. Same. But this was much more digestible with an intermission of one week. <laughs> it is funny, though, how so many things of the first half are completely irrelevant to the second half. Sure. Like, they spend all the first half trying to make Ruby seem like the murderous weirdo, and second half, she is basically not in it. Well, she was a red herring, a bewigged herring. Chekhov's bewigged herring. Wait, I guess she's not Chekhov's because she never comes back. She's the other thing. Whatever the other thing is of Chekhov's gun. Yeah. Rob Thomas's wig. There it is. Also not relevant. Shitty Sean. Sweaty Luke. If you thought any of them had anything to do with anything, joke's on you. Ugh. And then when Cobb turned out to be the big bad, when we were having our Twitter watch along, Jessica quipped, the taser has had more screen time than this guy. (laughs) Well, to the recap, Jenny. We left things with uh, Weevil sprawled in the road with a gunshot wound, courtesy of Celeste Kane, who we do not see this half. And good riddance. Keith Marr is very disturbed about his, uh, like, 27-year-old daughter and her long-term boyfriend sharing a room. Classic dad stuff. He's got to do the classic dad stuff to counteract Veronica doing the, hey, we're the daddy-daughter that makes sex jokes in front of each other stuff. Veronica, no. Is Keith the only person who calls Piz Stosh? He is definitely, yeah, the only one. He's the only one. What a dad. It's revealed that Piz is leaving, but for some reason, my seven favorite words to ever hear remain cruelly unsaid. They would have been, we've arranged for Piz to fly home. (laughs) But nobody says it. (laughs) There is a bit of that. You are going to meet my parents later this week, aren't you, Veronica? which uh, prefigures how much that isn't going to happen. Uh, She also mentions that Piz is a sexual Sharknado. What do you feel about that? I... I... 
I, I, <laughs> Helen, no. Name a film that he is the sexual version of. Maybe like a YouTube tutorial for like putting cabinets together. Mm, yeah. Or one of those 40 minute videos about guitar headstocks. Let me tell you all there is to know about these tuning pegs. Uh, are you telling me Veronica and Piz have been dating for like nine years at this point? No. Is that, am I getting the, the math right and she's never met his parents? No, no. They've only been together a few months. What? <laughs> Jenny, weren't you there for the first half of the film? She and Piz had reunited a few months before. Mmm. That must have slid right past me in spite of a second viewing. And his parents are all the way over in Portland, Oregon. Remember, that's where Piz is from, allegedly. Okay. So I guess they might not have popped okay, in. Okay, okay, okay. It's to all, yeah, yeah. This yeah. American Life offices in New right, York. Right, a minivan in every driveway. Yeah, you know Oregon. A chicken in every pot. Hard to leave that for the bright lights of New York. I mean, why visit? Off Piz goes to catch his flight and Keith rushes out to tell Veronica that Cliff called. Celeste shot Weevil and he's regained consciousness. So we go to the hospital set. Cliff is over Weevil's hospital bed reading Celeste's statement, which is just the kind of thing you want to wake up to, isn't it? This is an engraving from my Bible. You know what I mean? This is like an ancient <laughs> woodcut unearthed from the grand high chapel of my personal religion in which cliff and weevil interact on a regular basis and we get to see Uh, it wouldn't that be nice that would be nice but not cliff just defending weevil but for them to be partners in some kind of investigation and lawyering business yes according to celeste her car broke down a bike gang accosted her weevil rapped on her window with a beretta and said time to party which is the worst part of all this. Weevil very reasonably says, please get this case dismissed before anybody <laughs> believes the words time to party came out of my mouth. Uh, everybody getting good lines. Maybe we should ask Lo if anyone has been exonerated on the grounds of time to party would never have come out of their mouths. <laughs> he says he hasn't touched a gun in years, but of course he touched one when it was inserted into his unconscious hand in the road. It had been stolen from someone in his neighborhood. Neptune's sheriff's department? Bad, bad boys. They're out there planting evidence. Cliff says lots of his clients are complaining that this is happening. It's not a good vibe. Then Keith gets like very dramatic at Veronica and is all like, I'm telling you, kid, get out of Neptune before this town drags you down into its fiery <laughs> depths, you know? And she's all like, I just need, I'll leave. I just need to go by the uh, police department and just get one little file. I just need one file. Just one. It's just a cute little file. One. They just keep trying to uh, throw in this Veronica. Oh, I'm a bit like an addict just in search of one last fix. I just need a couple more files. Just just fo- a photocopy of one. That'll do. <laughs> yeah. I just need a, a Xerox that I can rub into my gums. This is <laughs> a weird thing that they're trying to make happen. I don't know. Does this whole like Veronica's an addict for Neptune and PIing and Logan? Does it feel <laughs> right to you? No, not at all. At no point does it. Because the Leanne stuff... It feels like she's thinking about Leanne more than she did during most of the three seasons, uh, just in the voiceover. Yeah, 100%. I don't think it's a necessary framework. No. Agree. Veronica's up to her old trick of pretending to be Martina Vasquez uh, to flirt with a Sheriff Lamb and get them to give her information. 
I love it as she's as she's clearly deceiving him on the phone. Keith walks by and asks, "Would you say I was a good parent?" Oh, <laughs> uh, well, sort of. She's uh, got many skills. Yeah, medium. Yeah. Lamb dispatches Sax as soon as possible to go and uh, Xerox this file. So just uh, add that to your brain desktop folder of information about what's going on with Sax. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm, the fuck mm-hmm. is Inga? There's a different receptionist here to tell Leo, who's just turned up, that there's a woman there who won't take no for an answer. Wait, is Leo not at a different police department? Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a detective at the San Diego Police Department. Oh, silly me. Okay, that makes more sense. Although, is every police department just going to let Veronica waltz in? I think for Veronica, it's all about it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is to ask for permission and also never ask for forgiveness. That's the Veronica Mars (laughs) policy. Leo looks great. He has aged well. He has a nice haircut. He is looking... Good. He leads with a incredible negging bit in which he extendedly pretends that he cannot remember who Veronica is or where they met. He really keeps the bit going for ages, even though he speaks a lot quicker than he used to. <laughs> Long time, deputy. I'm sorry, do we know each other? Leo. Stop. It's Veronica. We used to make out, which was a little bit sketchy because you worked at the sheriff's department and I was still in high school. No, Veronica, from Neptune. What what can I do for you? Um, the Susan Knight drowning. About nine years ago, I was just hoping to ask you a few things about it because you questioned Carrie Bishop. Do you remember? (laughs) I'm really sorry. How do we know each other again? It was... Veronica. Veronica. No, I don't mean to be rude, but the first time that you came around asking me for favors, you got all dolled up. And you brought me a pizza. You're a prick. I'm a prick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're a prick. Well, I'm a prick, but also I, I love pizza. And I thought, what a, what a gesture. And you had that red number on, and I liked the red number. It made me think impure thoughts. How wonderful, though, that Veronica produces a pizza from under the desk, which it may be cold, but it, it is an incredible gesture. Yes. And it's nice to see Veronica giving Leo a pizza. I just love it. He says he didn't know the FBI was investigating this case. Yeah. He must have been stuck on the post-season three pitch for season four, but not in this life. No, no, no. So he looks through the case file that she got from Sachs and then very lucidly remembers what happened nine years ago. Carrie said, oh, we're going to hell. Then Luke's lawyer showed up and everyone stopped talking and they never found Susan's body. So now Veronica's all fired up. She's convinced that somebody on the boat did it. She tells Logan and, uh, oops, it's uh, Dick. Dick is here as she's uh, considering that he is one of the group of new suspects that she's convinced is responsible. He's Hmm. flipping through photos from... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> from the reunion uh there's a, a great pic of piz getting punched there's a picture of someone's as dick puts it hoobity boobities <laughs> logan is chilly because he didn't know piz vonica were back together oh true and she's like none of your fucking business mm. because i like to have a copy of the script while we're doing our recaps i found the best one I could find online, which is an earlier draft than the final version. Oh. And in that earlier draft, 
It said that Parker was also on the boat and was also a suspect. And she and Dick hooked up after she and Logan split up. And I was just like, leave Parker alone. Stop making her suffer. Yes. Let Parker have a nice life. And that Madison was also on the boat. And I thought, well, that is kind of believable that Madison would have been at a boat party and also orchestrating a cover up. Oh, yeah. Very Madisonian. But they didn't go for that. But as Dick is flipping through his uh, picks from the reunion, he lands on a pick of uh, with, with the memorial for Susan Knight in the background. Mm. And Veronica, who must absolutely destroy at photo hunt, is like, hold <laughs> on. That boat looks different than this other photo of the boat that I saw recently. And she pulls it out and she's like, there's no anchor after the boat party. Sure, she would remember that. That anchor is tied to Susan Knight's body. And Dick's like, ha ha ha. And she's like, Dick, California has the death penalty, you fuckwit. And uh, he's like, Logan, I wish you could quit her. (laughs) (laughs) But interrupted by the ping of her phone, it's Mac. There's a new Bonnie DeVille video on PerezHilton.com. And it's of topless Sean with a bong. Logan recognizes this as, you know, the spot where Carrie kept her tablet docked. That's the angle. Come on. We see various tablet videos and one of them is in the kitchen where it's a wide shot of where you can like catch everything that's going on. Who docks their tablet like a counter width away at all times and it's never just staring at the ceiling like mine is like 90% of the time. Dude. Yeah, no. Veronica calls Mac at work. She's at Kane Software and you can tell because there's two screens in shot behind her with the word cane bouncing around like a screensaver, even though someone is working at one of those screens, supposedly. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and she's like telling them that, okay, so for a tablet to be able to sort of like give you footage from its camera, you'd need to have special hardware installed. Somebody brings up the James Franco trying on skinny jeans video that went around on the internet a little while ago. And mm. a connection is made that both James Franco and Carrie Bishop received uh, MTV Music Awards iPads. Galaxy tablets. Oh, sorry. Because Apple Galaxy has not tablets. paid for product placement in this show. That's why they had to put pencils in front of Veronica's laptop all those times. James Franco tried to steal six of these tablets. Nice. And did James Franco donate a lot to the Kickstarter? Because now we have to... Endure some apropos of nothing James Franco cameos. Firstly of this video of him struggling to put on his jeans. Then of Veronica visiting his trailer. (laughs) I love the idea of James Franco having to pay to get into this movie. I'm not even going to propose an alternative. I just like it. He paid the $10,000 Kickstarter level. Uh, yes. Somebody who paid $10,000, who who donated $10,000 to the campaign, has, I think, a speaking role. Oh. I can't remember what it is right now. Oh, God. I resent this cameo because it does not need to exist. <laughs> he doesn't seem bothered that he's been surveilled because he doesn't seem to know about the jeans video until his assistant tells him, nor does he know about this other viral video of him trying to think of rhymes for orange. Uh, I don't know what to say about this. <laughs> he offers to put on drag to masquerade as his assistant Penny to record a video, which she actually does record, which is bait for whoever's interested in buying hidden camera videos. Meet her in an hour from when this video is posted. Where exactly? What are the logistics? Don't 
put your mind up yeah, that avenue. Don't question it. No point. We're going to the Santa Monica Pier, and there's nothing you can do about it. This is happening, and look who's there. Who but Vinnie Van Lowe, Neptune's foremost asshat. <laughs> Eating a big bag of potato chips and uh, taking up a whole bench with uh, his knee spread. What is this sleeveless number? Oh, God. He doesn't even notice that it's Veronica until he's already invited her into his van. Psst. Anyone looking for some quality celebrity video? Yeah, but it better be weird. I don't want more night vision footage of James Franco adjusting his nuts. Go back to my van, show me what you got. Let's go back to my van, the Vinnie Van Lowe story. Think, Vinnie. 10,000 tequila sunrises ago. Oh. Well, if it isn't Neptune's very own Angela Lansbury. You've aged well. Oh, I hear you went legit. As it turns out, I am too legit to quit. I need everything you got off Bonnie DeVille's tablet. Oh, I know not of which you speak. I am just a respectable businessman trying to earn an honest dollar. Give it to me, Vinny, or I'll tell 50 Cent security team where they can find the guy who posted video of Fitty baking lemon cakes while singing Afternoon Delight. Apparently that is another uh, piece of hard-hitting video journalism that Vinny has contributed to the public consciousness. Oh, and he's the reason people know Anne Hathaway has a vagina. This is gross. That is invasive. It is gross and wrong. And he asked Veronica out now that she's legal. So Vinny has fallen on hard times, like his previously successful PI business in Neptune is not bringing in enough. Rents went up too much. What is it? Or is he just like, you know what? I have a lot of surveillance equipment. I can afford to buy 30 Galaxy tablets and put some hardware in them and somehow break into the MTV Music Awards to put them in the gift bags. (laughs) Just in case someone does a juicy video of them thinking of rhymes for Orange. Bonnie DeVille's feed ends on the night she died because the cameras are motion activated and she's not motioning anymore due to being dead how does this i have a question i don't know makes sense because later (laughs) okay all right never you mind so the flowers that ruby brought over weren't bugged after all they were just flowers i suppose how many bugs are we dealing with Mm, yeah 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 right she just she just got in that was her reward veronica and logan watch all the bonnie ipad footage and then they discover who should appear on the screen at the time that the text was sent from carrie to logan but gia Mm. there she is sending a text from the o-niner on the ipad it's time stamped and everything very thoughtful and seeing this text being sent makes veronica go i know what happened even though it is shortly proven that she doesn't, she's just put together some of the parts and she's still accusing the wrong people. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Also, throughout the last few scenes, Veronica has been rejecting calls from Truman Man. Veronica, no! Mm. She and Logan go to the sheriff's department. Logan's wearing a conspicuous trucker hat <laughs> that says, free hugs! His hats are all too big for his head! Very unlike what he usually wears. They lay out this whole deal. G and Luke rode into Carrie's gated zone together with Luke in the trunk. Gia left a window open. Luke snuck in and messed with the alarm. Gia sent the text. La la la. Wouldn't an autopsy determine the actual time of death? I feel like the time of death is just being bandied about as 
like around when the alarms went off. They might not have released the results of an autopsy yet because she only died a few days ago. I don't know. Because Dan Lamb specifically outlines a timeline, which is obviously bullshit. But like you would think that, I don't know, even he is not above the actual evidence of what a time of death determined by an autopsy is going to reveal. I suppose, Jenny, that would depend on the sheriff being interested in getting a right conviction and not just a vindictive one. Right, right, right. Wouldn't it have been funny if this plot had revolved around Gia smuggling Luke into the house in a piñata? <laughs> yes. Would that it could be so. But alas. So then we get the whole... All of Carrie's friends knew that she and Logan fought about her partying. So Gia would have sent a text she knew Logan couldn't resist responding to. And I thought, well, what if he was away on naval business? And they still wanted her dead because she was cracking with the guilt. What then? They would have had to find some other Patsy. Mm, Probably Weevil again, somehow. Uh Uh-huh. Don's not pleased to see Veronica's photographic evidence with the anchor. Where did she get those official photos? And uh, Deputy Sachs is propped against a wall (laughs) and snarks, maybe she's friends with Martina Vasquez. But too bad, because Dan Lamb doesn't give a shit. America thinks Logan's guilty and that is fine with him. Yeah, he does not care. Get to fuck. Eh. Elsewhere in disappointment land, Veronica (laughs) calls Piz to tell him she's not going to be able to make it to meet his parents. And Piz, very understandably, is like, okay, this is ridiculous. Let's break up. He's slightly teary. He got punched more than once for her. No more. He's going to meet a nice girl. Uh, he's got that new haircut that's very fetching and <laughs> he's going to meet somebody who treats him with respect and the most important thing is that we don't ever have to see him again. <laughs> Just when I started to like him, goddammit. <laughs> so you know there's been a lot of fan service in this movie bringing back tropes and characters that people loved from the original and here's one of mine, the eccentric lighting states. <laughs> Keith preparing dinner at home. The kitchen is so dark, except there's a bowl of mushrooms in a spotlight. Also, there's a lamp behind Keith. Isn't it nice to see old friends, Helen? (laughs) The irrational spotlight. There's also so many ingredients for just two people. Uh, Luckily, Logan's coming over to talk about the case. Uh, Keith is called because Truman Mann somehow have his number and have left a message, which is... Fuck you bye, Veronica. Mm-hmm. We only employ people who answer their phones. And he's like, you worked so long just to throw it all away for what? For Logan and his hats? In Veronica's defense, Logan looks real good in that uniform, even though it is not up to code. Interrupted by a phone call where he's like, just give me two minutes, all right? Except he immediately goes outside because Sax is there chewing nicotine gum and Keith sits in the car with him, somehow better lit than when he was slicing things in the kitchen. <laughs> Sax shares this re- revelation that he recently had, I guess, where he figured out that he's part of the bad guys. Yeah, he's watched a YouTube video where the Nazis realize they're the bad guys, which I think is a Mitchell and Webb sketch. But maybe it was also the fact that he was in the room witnessing Dan Lamb being like, yeah, I'm happy to frame Logan. Don't give a shit. And he's like, <gasps> A cab! A cab! Logan conspicuously walks across the frame, just FYI, 
it, it seemed Very like an, a portentous shop, mm-hmm. so I, I'm telling you about it. <laughs> Thank you. Sachs tells Keith that he checked the gun into evidence that was planted on Navarro. Eli Weevil himself. Keith asks if he would testify to that. He's not going to get the chance. No. A man clangs a gate shut and stands backlit, and Keith's like, we got to move. And so Sachs screeches the car out. Would it have maybe been better to move into the house? I don't know. Unknown. Well, in retrospect, yes, because as it is, a truck smashes into the side of the car and speeds off, seemingly unfucked. Sax is covered in blood. Keith is splattered with it. They're both unconscious. Logan runs up, calling 911 for an ambulance. Then he sees the vehicle racing back and pulls Keith out just in time for the truck to smash again and for Veronica to witness it. Ah! Yeah, this is very fucked up. Logan doing hero stuff, though. Everyone loves that. Love to see it, for sure. Hate to see Keith in jeopardy and Veronica yelling at him to open his eyes. Like, how many times now has she seen her father maybe be dead? Let Veronica have her dad. I really hate this part. I mean, I think it's very effective and very thrilling, but I hate to see Sax die because it really feels like he never got his moment. Like, he's been a good character that has had very little kind of focus on him, but this could have been his time. And then also, who is doing the crash? That doesn't really get explored. We never find out. Presumably it's for Dan Lam to silence them both. Is that worth a murder and an attempted murder? So Keith goes to the hospital. Sax is unfortunately pronounced dead on arrival. When they get back to the house, Logan carries Veronica into the house, puts her on her bed, takes her shoes off. It reminded me of the old days of the season two finale or season three where he found her unconscious in the parking lot. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, But put that out of your mind, Helen, because they're going at it. Loganica rides again off to the races. A new development. Logan now apparently waxes his chest. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Buyer beware. I know that you've been a a strong advocate of Logan's chest fur. Look, I'm not sad to see his chest. It's very nice. Tits out. Different times. Tits out. But different times. The times they were a change in. To a less, even less hairful, more hairless mm. vibe. I'm here to uh, keep an eye on the really important stuff. Maybe the 70s was your true time. <laughs> they do some rotato kissing. Yay! Just like the old days. Oh. I guess Veronica needs distraction, but the next morning, uh, he's just waking up and she's already dressed and ready to go. She wants to nail Gia and Luke to the wall! She says, let's go make him sweat. And we know from season one, episode five, that that's really easy in Luke's case. Yeah, not a problem. <laughs> he actually is uh, engaged in, you know, some sweating of his own volition. But we'll get to you in a second. What do you think about this? That Veronica borrows the tactic of burying a bug in a bouquet. Well, that alliterated. That Ruby, I guess, didn't actually do because the surveillance footage came from something else. But she sends this bugged bouquet to Gia who places it in her huge warehouse apartment window, and Veronica is surveilling from the roof of the building opposite on her long, long, long lens. Love to see old friends. Love to see old lens. Uh, (laughs) You know, Ruby, I guess in a way, does find her way into the second half of the movie. In spirit. I guess she hasn't given this, this idea to Veronica, but Veronica thinking Ruby did it is the first time we heard about specifically bugging flowers. It's a legacy of sorts. Yes. Gia answers the phone and it's Carrie. 
What? Oh my God, Veronica's taking the liberty of stitching together a little greatest hits to f- of Carrie's voice from her iPad videos to freak Gia out. It works. She calls someone in a panic that they assume is Luke. But Logan is surveilling Luke and he is enjoying himself in a West Hollywood bathhouse because the gay portrayals in this show are only this or worse. Uh, yeah. And he was a beard all along. Yeah. Well, you know, a congressman can't have a gay son. Not in 2014. That would cause the Earth's core to burn even hotter and melt the entire planet. That would be the end of the species. Oh, well. What kind of 1950s lavender panic shit is this? Mm-hmm. I think I probably did pay $10 to kickstart <laughs> this movie and I want it back. I don't like how they uh, make the fact that Luke is gay uh, this like, oh, scandalous reveal. Ah, well, of course no. that would be motivating. But I do like that he gets to spend a lot of time in bathhouses. I imagine in steam rooms mm. doing what he does best, sweating <laughs> profusely. <laughs> so who is at Gia's? Cobb, the guy who cleared the buffet, remember? Boo. Logan's like, oh, Gia probably needed her cat box emptying to imply that he is Gia's obedient servant boy. Cobb tells Gia that someone's messing with her, probably that nosy bitch, Veronica Mars. Drink! Veronica's like, ah, it's called curiosity. (laughs) And he's like, relax, Gia, relax as you only can when you've had a message from a dead person and let's smooch. (laughs) Yeah. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately, either way, mm. Veronica could only borrow an old style bugging device from Keith, which uses <laughs> a frequency formerly unused at the bottom of the radio dial. But now, oh, no, it's Neptune's rock hard rock station. Whoops. Uh, so there is some signal crossing. There is some Rocking and rolling, there is some screaming of Cobb's name and heavy breathing, all being <laughs> aired together in every direction. Did you realize that the Iron Glass cameo at the start of the film was a hint that this whole plot would hinge on radio? <laughs> so now, Veronica's theory is that Gia seduced her lapdog into killing Carrie. She's not quite there yet. Not quite there yet, but she has spotted a little white tablet on the table. And Logan says, well, Carrie's tablet was inscribed with rock you very much. Uh, She can't read that with the long lens. So she's going to drop by. And Logan's like, drop by a murderer's house? And she's like, ah, I can handle her. Can she? Uh, I guess we'll see. Dusk has suddenly approached. And Veronica, having clearly heard four minutes of uh, sex noise, could not hear the 20 minutes of pillow talk thereafter which seems like another failure of the bug but she sees Cobb getting ready to leave and so in she goes but first she meets a cat Chekhov's just regular cat Chekhov's cat (laughs) in the hallway hallway cat what is that so Gia's got this like very very huge fancy apartment but the hallway is it an actual warehouse it's like full of boxes and bikes and stuff and there's a cage it's interesting it's an interesting choice for the building. Gia answers the door instantly because she's clearly on edge. And she's like, no, everything's everything's fine. Yeah, yeah, sure. Come on in. Uh, allowing Veronica to bullshit about the tablet. Oh, wow. Do you like your little tablet? 
I mean, I have the, the big one, but this is sure cute, isn't it? Well, cute only gets you so far in life. Am I right? <laughs> Burn! Is she right? I wouldn't know. Never been able to try yeah, it. Unknown. TBD. More research required. Remember that Cobb lives within ice-fetching distance of Gia's apartment. So he's just got home, which turns out to be right across the street. Ugh. And an eccentric neighbour type with a big white beard applauds him for the sex peopling on the radio. Nice. Uh, it's the guidance counsellor from Freaks and Geeks. Ah, and he's troubadour number two in Gilmore Girls. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And loads of other things. It's one of those guys. Cobb uh, gets in and tunes his radio, which means he can hear Veronica and Gia talking about the tablet. But Gia's like, what are you really doing here, Veronica? Is this smart that Veronica's like, well, I'm pretty sure that you murdered Carrie because of Susan Knight. Is it good to advance that kind of theory to someone you think has murdered someone? Yeah, and like without a witness. It seems like a bad, bad method. Well, she's got all the witnesses that are listening to the radio. (laughs) Oh, true. Uh, But Gia spills. Gia fucking spills everything. Well, she's like, I've got an alibi. And Veronica's like, let me rephrase. You sex people, Cobb, into killing for you. Gia runs it down. Uh, Cobb was, uh, I think she refers to him as a trailer park weirdo when they were in high school. But he was like really into her. He had the good drugs. So she tried to hit him up for the boat party. But then he insisted on going with them. That was the only way they could get access to his drugs. Susan bottomed out in the middle of the boat ride. She was crying about the baby she gave up for adoption. Uh, Later, Carrie found her and she was barely breathing, but Cobb said, no, 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 she's going to sleep it off. Don't worry about it. But oh no, Cobb was wrong. Susan died. And then Cobb was like, okay, I've got a great idea. Let's weigh her down with the anchor and just toss her over the side. Is that the best plan no why is that a less incriminating plan than not disposing of her body because the drugs would implicate them far less than her body being missing it's neptune so they could be like yes susan had that baby and she's really taken a bad turn and uh things were worse than we thought blah 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 and they wouldn't have to do all this i know what you did last summer shit well i think at least for luke you know it's like oh no the scandal his father's a congressman la 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 uh, for Gia, I guess she's already had about as much shame and scandal as as you really need to get through life. I mean, it's just so proven that when you're a politician in the USA, scandal involving your children really affects your career so much. I I, I don't know don't know what you're talking about, Helen. I can't possibly think of a time when a politician was treated differently than, I don't know, just like a regular person in the population. Uh, you seem well I know I'm always suggesting ways for plots not to happen. That would make this a more relaxing film. Uh, I think what's, what's really going on here is probably like Cobb stoked their fears because he was the person who's applied the drug, so he would be most liable. Yes. If... Uh, somebody sought to bring charges and they're all uh, fucked on drugs so maybe they weren't thinking that lucidly at the time oh yeah side note gia does specify actually that dick was just out cold the whole time this was going on and doesn't know the truth and thus is their best like the best part of their story he sells it the best because he literally has no idea that it happened very nice a true innocent that's dick casablancas 
but it also means that for nine years, Cobb has been able to have Gia as uh, his sex person. Horrific. Because he took photos of them heaving Susan's body overboard. He can just show them that photo whenever he wants something or whenever they need a reminder, like Carrie, always needing a reminder. He rented the apartment across the street so he could keep an eye on Gia the whole time. She's not allowed to have curtains, and yet she's allowed to have a fiancé in the form of Luke. Doesn't make sense to me. No, not not much of this does, but hey. And she's bearding for Luke because no one can just be gay in this show. Nobody's allowed. Not allowed. Verboten in Neptune. Isn't this also familiar? Because Lucky was like murderously obsessed with Gia in season two. I mean, Kristen Ritter is an attractive woman. Yes, very compelling. However. So I get that. <laughs> I mean, just don't do this. A thought. Also, wouldn't it have worked better with a character we had met at school? Like Troy, or Popsicle Wanker, who has a history of coercing women. Or Mr. Rook, he would really work, because he's used to having power over people much younger than him. Ugh. Why did you put that thought in my brain, Helen? To take your mind off what happens next in the film. (laughs) Yeah, which is terrible. Cover up aside, my beautiful beloved Neptunian princess, Gia, gets fucking shot by this piece of trash. And I hate it. Uh, She was the brightest light in Neptune, and now she's gone. It is such a waste. She's such an interesting character to use, because although she's kind of vapid and shallow, Kristen Ritter's performance is so good that you also get this kind of misery and chaos just below that. It just feels like with Sax as well, it would have been far more interesting to keep them alive. I smell another spin-off coming on. <laughs> the dead of Veronica Sax Mars. and Gia, Gia and Sax. How about this? A good place populated by characters unfairly killed in Veronica Mars. Sax, Gia and Abel Coons and yes. his daughter reunited. Veronica <laughs> Mars. And Lily, of course. Lily Kane. She's the uh, Ted dancing character. <laughs> Cobb shoots again and Veronica drops below the window line and calls an ambulance saying a cop has been shot, which is a smart technique. Smart. Uh, She gives the location as the 400 block of exposition. Exposition is... uh, Is that meant to be (laughs) self-referential about this film? (laughs) Don't they need the apartment number? Yeah, that's strange, isn't it? Because we imagine that Veronica knows the apartment number because she got there. (laughs) Exactly. She's been there twice. She holds Gia's hand as she dies. Oh. And shit. Cobb's letting himself in and he's in full villain mode now. He's like, Veronica's somewhere dark. She's in a cabinet. There are loads of cabinets. So many cabinets. He opens them one by one and she texts Keith to say that she loves him. As he opens door after door and finally gets right up next to her, she makes the choice move to call Gia's phone. It rings. He turns he shoots, she pops out of the fucking cabinet and tases the shit out of yes. his leg and then pepper sprays him. Yes. Go, Veronica, run. Fantastic. What if Gia's phone had been on silent? That would have been bad. But the door downstairs is chained shut. No. Cobb's eyes look really red as he rinses them. Veronica sees the cat from earlier. And she has an idea. Grabs a golf club, smashes a light bulb as he villains down oh, the yeah. stairs, monologuing. Mm-hmm. Because villains just, they've always got this in them to be very poised at the moment of dramatic villainery. Oh, yeah. 
even though he seemed kind of sad and chaotic in every other part of the portrayal. He's scoping the scene. He's checking it out. Something is moving in one of the garbage cans. He shoots it. Then he shoots the other one. And we're like, oh, no, Veronica was in one and the cat was in the other one. But no, Veronica rises up behind him with a nine iron and clocks (laughs) the shit out of him. Oh, I love that. She's backlit in the shot. So her hair is illuminated like she's some kind of avenging angel. Yeah, yeah. It's got strong horror movie vibes. And don't worry. uh, After Cobb goes down, we hear a cat meowing as it runs away. The cat has survived, Helen. Oh, good, because I was worried. That seemed very unfair. <laughs> the cat's okay. Whiskers is going to live to fight another day. Also, do you remember that viral video of a woman putting a cat in a bin? So Veronica could have been on the hook for putting the cat in the bin. I am unfamiliar with this viral video. Cat bin woman was quite the scandal. Oh, no. I'm pleased that they don't have Cobb rising up and there's more threats to Veronica. This is it. Now we go to hospital and there's a news report featuring a very, very clear and well-lit photo of Gia, Luke and Carrie holding Susan's body. Places where the lighting is good in Neptune. (laughs) Uh, On a boat in the middle of the ocean in the middle of the night. Yes. Inside a cupboard. In your kitchen while you're making dinner. No. Inside a cupboard. Yes. Why don't you make the dinner inside a cupboard? (laughs) The voiceover says Logan is exonerated, Cobb has been arrested and charged with the murders, and Keith wakes up. And there's a fluorescent strip light right above his head, which I thought was very unfair because looking at bright lights makes your eyes water and you are kind of stuck when you're zonked out in a hospital bed. Also making its rounds on the news is footage of friggin'... Dan Lamb saying America thinks Logan's guilty and that's good enough for me. Oh, no. And the TMZ commentators think Neptune will want a new sheriff because I'm sure they give a shit about what's happening in a small town outside of LA. Oh, totally. Of course. Why has this hospital got TMZ on the televisions? (laughs) Nightmare. I did like that Cobb is wearing a comically large head bandage that matches Keith's. Oh, yeah. Pan over to Veronica sleeping in a very uncomfortable looking hospital chair. Oh. Mars's. A devoted daughter. And then to the grey light of morning at Dick's home, Logan in silhouette is putting on his cap. Hell yeah. It's a naval cap. It's not a free hugs cap this time, but it's also huge. He's in uniform, not the same uniform that you saw before, but just as inaccurate according to IMDb. But also just as fetching. Takes a picture of Veronica waking up. (laughs) Every woman's dream. (laughs) Does she say something that is a quote? No, it's too early. You'd be surprised how strongly the armed services feels about punctuality. You want me to get busted for going AWOL? What I want is for you to stand there in that effety white uniform with your Harvard mouth and show me some effing courtesy. Well, I appreciate you keeping a PG-13 for me. Is that like a, a few good men or some bollocks like that? Uh... I thought it must be something like that or like, uh, oh, Lord. Oh, Helen, it is from A Few Good Men. I've never even seen it. And I guessed that's how powerful the Rob Thomas references are. They've got her saying effing, but there have definitely been some fucks in this film. So was there a limit on the amount of fucks they could get to achieve the rating? And they've run out. Maybe or maybe they didn't want to say fucking, but then leave in the effity drawing attention to what the quote that they're pulling 
actually is. May I suggest not doing this quote? Just pick a different quote, people. It's not that hard. Also, in the scene where Gia is talking about Cobb, she says that he eye screws her across the room. And no one says eye screws. That's obviously eye fucking. But they quote themselves. I got you off murder charges. I can beat an AWOL rap. Listen, it's 180 days, Veronica. What's 180 days to us? Our story is epic. Spanning years, continents. Lives ruined, bloodshed. Would you remember a speech that you had drunkenly made to your, at the time, ex at a party 10 years before? Would you remember that as much as your fandom did? Uh, well, you know, is Veronica and is Logan like on Tumblr? Because I feel like probably Mm. if they are, they've probably come across that quote a bunch (laughs) at this time. Logan has mentioned various um, internet-y things a bunch of times. So I think if either of them are, he would be on Tumblr. And Veronica would be like, oh, what's Tumblr? My phone is a brick. It's got buttons. (laughs) I'm too much of a loner to use the internet. I'm not like other girls. (laughs) I'm too busy eating burgers and burping at the sports bar. (laughs) And quoting the big Lebowski. (laughs) How do you feel about the reunion of Laganica? It's certainly her most interesting and fun romantic pairing, even though... What about Leo? uh, Leo is my number one baby boy of all time, but it, them together is just not interesting, is it? <laughs> well, we haven't had a chance to see. Her, like, coming close to him, like, her visiting him at his at his office and, like, them flirting is is really fun. But I think of all her possible pairings, Logan is the only one that offers the sort of, like, not killing the golden goose of when... A fandom wants two characters together Mm. and then they get it and then they're like, cool, I'm bored now. But Logan and Veronica will never be bored because one of them will always be in a state uh, that is like not prepared for uh, the commitments and sacrifices that go into a successful relationship. I I feel like it's very plausible that Loganica would get back together at this point. Mm hmm traumatic experiences together in the past brought them together but also sealed them together because only they understand each other's damage oh yeah i'm not sure about like getting her back together with piz a few months before the events of this film unless it is just to give the fans satisfaction of seeing them split up on screen (laughs) yeah off logan goes for 180 days of duty and we learn that veronica's been in neptune for two weeks in case you're wondering (laughs) Time for her to go back to the real world, which is the school lunch tables with Wallace, who is talking. She's not listening. She's not eating her salad. She's uh, musing about Leanne. And eyeing up a a loner girl eating lunch alone at high school, just like she did once upon a time. I did also wonder, regarding her Leanne musings, as well as the things we were talking about earlier, whether it's just Veronica at 27 or 28 is now approaching ages at which she knew Leanne. Whereas when Leanne was a teenager, Veronica didn't know her. So maybe Veronica is like, do I recognise myself in my mother now that I am closer to the age that I knew my mother at? 
Probably not. They just want to be like, oh, I'm dickmatized by Logan, which is like my mother being an alcoholic. Sorry, did you just say dickmatized? Yes, I said it in part one as well. Did I react similarly, or did I miss it entirely? <laughs> Maybe you blanked it out. Hmm, dignitism. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. All right. Uh, because dicks are a joke to me, Helen, because <laughs> they don't exist in my like practical reality. This is just fun. It's just a good time. Carry on. <laughs> Veronica slow mows up a hospital corridor and her voiceover is still going on about like um, AA kinds of stuff that she has appropriated. Drink a thousand shots as you hear Keith say, who's your daddy? As he wins a round of gin rummy. <laughs> Yay! But then put down all your shots when Veronica says, if I were wise enough to know the difference between what I can change and what I can't, would I be who I am? Would I be doing what I'm doing? Busting back into Mars investigations to fucking run it. Oh, my God. Weevil's there. His case has not gone away. Even though we're at the end of the film, it's not wrapped up. Sequel bait. <laughs> Because a stoolie claims Weevil bought the gun from him because they're still more afraid of the law than of Weevil. That's going to have to change. Well, yeah, except now, you know, she watches him leave from the window and he's back on his bike. First time in <gasps> years and he's leading the gang. <gasps> right back in place. Meanwhile, Mac has been in the front of the office cracking the sheriff's password. Johnny Utah 69. Is that a reference, Jenny? <laughs> Well, 69 traditionally is... Co I got co that part. <laughs> Johnny Utah, Point Break, the film starring Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze, uh, was originally called Johnny Utah at the time the casting was going on. Oh, it's also the name of the character that Keanu Reeves plays, Johnny Utah. And he's an FBI agent in the film. In the script that... I've got his password was Dirty Harry 69. Funny. So I suppose it's still aspirations to the films that presumably Dan Lamb loves and also 69. <laughs> Although I'd imagine him being very selfish rather than actually participating in an exchange of oral pleasures. Ah! Mac has sent Veronica his tax returns. Nice. And we know how they tend to indict a public figure. Uh, and then we get, oh, the drama of this voiceover. Helen, she <laughs> accepts the mud that she's always rolled around in. This is what she was born for. When she washes herself clean, she doesn't recognize herself. So she's getting back in the mud. Ow! <laughs> Etc. What do you think? I still don't love the uh, references to AA. My <laughs> name is Veronica and I'm an addict. Hello, Veronica. Seems to be making light of a process that is pretty important. <laughs> Yeah, how unlike this franchise. Mm. But then we smash into the original version of We Used to Be Friends over the credits. <gasps> and it's all over. No, it isn't, because <laughs> then there's the mid-credits video no. of James Franco in his trailer thinking of rhymes for orange. And that's still not over, because at the end of the credits, there's a Logan voicemail, just like he used to do at school, and I... Would hope this is also one that he recorded at school and they've just got in an archive somewhere. Because if he's still doing this, that is sad. Lord. Although there's reference to Cheryl Sandberg, so presumably it is reasonably up to date. <sighs> Never mind. <laughs> this is Logan reminding you, if you're offered a seat on a rocket ship, don't ask which seat. Just get on. Cheryl Sandberg said that.
So don't leave a message. Go get on that rocket ship. Or leave a message. Your call. Your decision will tell me a lot about you. Okay, and then it's over! Then it's over until the novels. Okay. But we're not done, because it's time to take a visit to our resident legal expert and Southern Californian Marshmallow Lodards for the lowdown. Oh, indeed. Hello! What up? You're back. I'm back. Hi. Back for part two. One thing that we'd like to know is this. Veronica and Logan visit Sheriff Lamb and Veronica asks him uh, how they establish time of death. Is it okay for Lamb to be talking about that in front of Logan, who is suspected of her murder? Yeah, so yes and no. If Logan has been charged with murder... The prosecution has to turn over evidence to the defense. So they have to turn over exculpatory evidence if it shows that it's, you know, not him. They have to show uh, tangible evidence like knives or the boombox that killed her or whatever, scientific reports. Like they have to turn that over to the defense because the defense doesn't have the availability of all the police officers who investigate the case. He wouldn't be getting it through the sheriff's department, though. That stuff would be turned over by the DA's office to Logan's attorney. Um, So... Technically, it it wouldn't go down like this, but the fact that Logan could find out how they established time of death would be likely. And it seems like Gia and Luke and Cobb's whole little scheme hinges on nobody caring exactly when Carrie Bishop died because Logan was not there when she died. She died earlier. What kind of window of time of death can we expect from an autopsy? So there are three different types of uh, time of death. There's your physiological time of death, which is like actually when your stuff stops working. Then there is the legal cause of death, which is what's on your death certificate. But that may be hours, months, years, depending on when they find your body. It's normally like when they find uh, your body and that you're dead. That would be what's on her death certificate. Then you have the autopsy that's going to give you a range. And depending on how she died, it's going to be probably for Carrie a range of hours. So it's not going to be any sort of like pinpoint. It's going to be like she died from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. So the fact that they get oh. Logan over there, and honestly, he's there. Okay. He, he gets checked in at the guard gate. He's there. So it's not going to help him. She died that night sometime. Hmm, um, okay. It would only be helpful okay. if they the autopsy was like, she actually died that morning, and he has a plausible alibi for that time. Okay. Deputy Sachs is in the room when Dan Lamb is like, I don't give a shit if Logan did it or not. It's good enough for me that he did. Does Sachs have obligations to report the sheriff's plan to mm. frame Logan? Yes. So we talked previously about people not having a general obligation to report crime. For the police, you are going to have some kind of internal policy that requires you to do that, to report it to internal affairs, uh, report it up the chain of command. The fact that this is a small department and Dan Lamb is his superior officer, he might have an obligation to report it to the DA's office. But there's a point at which it's not just reporting. You are complicit. You are covering this up as well by being in the room and acknowledging that this is happening and not doing anything about it. Um, And at that point, he could be charged with conspiracy along with Dan Lamb for all of Dan Lamb's horrible things that he does. What's the penalty that Sachs would be facing? So conspiracy is the same penalties as the actual crime. So even if you didn't pull the trigger, you got to... If Dan Lamb... So Dan Lamb conspires. Let's assume he's not the trigger man and he hires somebody to kill Mm. Sachs. That's premeditated murder. Um, I mean, if that was the intention to kill Sachs and potentially Keith Mars as well, Dan Lamb is going to be charged with conspiracy to commit murder. 
Sachs would probably not be charged with conspiracy unless it gets to the point where he's covering up for Dan Lamb. And it sounds like he's not. He went to Keith. He's trying to do the right thing. It's never clear who orchestrated the car crash that kills Sachs, is it? But presumably it's on behalf of the sheriff. Yeah, that was my um, that was my thinking. I'm assuming Dan is doing that because Sachs is getting ready to whistleblow. What's the legal situation with TMZ playing Veronica's video of Lamb? Because as I'm sure you've told us previously, and I have forgotten, <laughs> filming it would have been illegal under Californian law. Yeah. Is it legal for them to broadcast illegally? I guess it's probably illegal to be tapping somebody's iPad. Yes. And broadcasting that footage. Right. So you have the crime of the person who did the wiretapping. So we know that California is a two-party consent state. Everybody that's being recorded has to consent to that recording. But once you get past that where you're not the person recording it, just publishing it, you're starting to go into a civil area. Mm. So I'm sure that TMZ has been sued by lots of people who have (laughs) had their sex tapes and various things broadcasted. But it's going to be a little bit harder here because Dan Lamb is a public figure. And he's committing technically public acts in this situation. He's in his office. You're allowed to record public figures like the police when they're doing Mm. their public acts. Whether his office at this point is considering him doing a public act, whether it's considered public, he's got members of the public in there. There's no attorneys present. You know, I think he would have a hard time suing for this type of publication. What kind of consequences do you think Dan Lam would be facing of the evidence planting, of the gun orchestrating a fatal crash that also nearly kills Keith. Presumably it was Lamb who's behind it. Yeah, so for, I mean, the big one is going to be, he, he could be charged with first degree murder because he can be charged with conspiracy to commit first degree, premeditated murder, um, attempted murder of Keith. He could be charged with obstruction of evidence, witness tampering, evidence tampering. Um, he's probably going to be charged with a few things under their like internal affairs policy there. He's going to be disciplined for that. Like I said, if a police officer plants evidence, it's a felony as opposed to a normal citizen doing it. It's only a misdemeanor. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, he's he's going to go down for a lot if they can prove the whole car crash thing. Mac very thoughtfully procures <laughs> Sheriff's Lamb's tax returns for Veronica. To what end, Lo? Well, we love tax returns. Come on, guys. Mm. It's true. Don't you watch the news? We love tax returns. Um, Oh, sure. Big difference they make. (laughs) It's a federal crime to lie on your tax returns. And so it's a big deal if you find the sheriff's tax returns and he is not reporting income. Let's say he's only reporting his $100,000 a year sheriff's salary, but he is driving around in a Lambo. Mm. you're going to have concerns. He's he's falsified his... Of course he'd drive a Lambo. <laughs> he would drive it. Well, it's got his name like in it. That. And then if he is reporting the income, so you see his tax returns and he's reporting $500,000 worth of income a year and $400,000 of that is cash, you're going to know that he's getting paid somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad I've got to hear both of you just say Lambo a bunch of times. <laughs> Lamborghini... Lambo. Lamborghini was my dream car when I was a young boy. <laughs> was it? Yeah. But I grew out of it. I don't know where she's accessing his tax returns from, so if she has hacked the IRS, that's that's a real problem. <laughs> Versus she's just hacked into his computer and is doing a uh, criminal computer trespass. Then Just like when uh, Veronica breaks into Woody's computer. Some public figures do have their tax returns publicly available, <laughs> don't they? 
Yes, that's right. Um, a lot of people, especially in an elective position, um, a lot of people, it's uh, customary to disclose your tax returns and your financial statements to show that you are not taking bribes from people who would otherwise have an influence mm. over you in your official capacity. What charges would the various people involved be facing about Susan's death? Because none of them actually murdered her, but they did obstruct justice. And is there a statute of limitations about that? Because it was nine years ago. Yes, uh, you were right. They wouldn't be facing any charges. <laughs> because assuming they did not kill her, nine years is pretty much the statute of limitations too long for pretty much anything. How convenient. Except for uh, murder, some forms of serious felonies that involve embezzlement or um, anything that's going to get you a death sentence or a life in prison sentence generally doesn't have a statute of limitations. But everything else is kind of, I believe, eight years or less, depending on where you are. So misdemeanor covering up an accidental death, since they we, we're going to assume they had nothing to do with her death, that Cobb didn't lace the drugs or do anything nefarious, they just disappeared the body, that is a misdemeanor. Right. And they couldn't charge them nine years later. Hmm. Which is, again, why why is Cobb killing Bonnie for this? It d- makes no sense. This reminds me of a time a young man who was the father of a baby, quote, kidnapped that baby and <laughs> ran away to Mexico with her for no reason. <laughs> he didn't kidnap her. It's I her. Know. It's his kid. I know that. The show doesn't know that. <laughs> oh. We all know that Veronica should not be bugging Gia and Cobb, but what we really need to know is <laughs> is it illegal to broadcast sex noise on the radio not that i'm asking for any particular reason strictly for the purposes of the podcast that's why i want to know nothing else planned go for it yeah i'm not the the wiretapping bad yes the fcc regulates the radio so i they have certain restrictions about what you can say over the radio no limitations on saying cob like 20 times at various volumes <laughs> <laughs> That's heavy breathing, uh, the sound of flesh slapping together <laughs> rhythmically. I don't know that they would be in any kind of trouble for that unless they rebroadcast over something else. They could probably face some penalties for that. But I am not as well versed on the FCC regulations. Mm. So I wouldn't try it, Jenny, but you know what? If you want, go what? for it. I don't know why you're looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> So Veronica isn't in more trouble than usual for a bug because it went over a local radio signal? Um, she, like I said, I think she probably could be in more trouble. It depends on whose broadcast she interrupted. But I don't think the, if we just assume it's heavy breathing and someone saying the name Cobb over and over again grossly, I don't know <laughs> that she'd be in that much trouble for it. If she managed to interrupt one of Piz's radio shows, then uh, probably people would be very grateful. A parade. Mm. Hey, yeah. hey. Fireworks. How to kick a man when he's down. He's going to be better off. (laughs) He will, for sure. Much better off. What are the charges Cobb's going to be facing for minimum two murders? Attempted murder of Veronica? Yes, I would say he could be charged with attempted murder of Veronica, especially given his history that he just murdered Gia and is now trying to get rid of the evidence. (laughs) Moments before. And he murdered Bonnie. uh, He's kind of been extorting people for nine years. He has been extorting people, yeah. So depending on um, whether he has been... Has he been extorting them for money? I'm not sure. It's Let's let's assume that Cobb is getting some sort of financial compensation out of this as well as rape uh, of Gia. Rape by threat of duress is still rape. Mm-hmm. 
But she she's dead, so she can't testify. So does that mean he probably would not be charged in rape? It would depend on if they could prove it. If he was being, if there was proof, well, there is proof. There's a recording of them proof. having sex. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, depending on if they could get enough of evidence to charge him with uh, the rape of Gia. First degree murder for Bonnie slash Carrie. Too late to charge him with supplying drugs that Susan died from? Yeah, that was too long ago. And again, I right, mean, right. they were adults, yes? So he could have been mm. charged at the time with possession or trafficking, but now it's been nine years, so no. In the denouement, Cobb shoots a bin that we assume has the cat in it. What are the charges for shooting a cat? That is uh, animal abuse. And it's a wobbler, I believe. Um, he could be charged as a misdemeanor or a felony. Depending on the value of the cat. <laughs> or the bin. I think it's, it or the intent. I think it probably would be the, the facts of the case. If you're you're full Michael Vick, then yeah, you're getting lots and lots of felonies. If you're Cobb mm-hmm. and you're just trying to attempt murder of a, a young woman, then... <laughs> the cat got in the way. I thought it was a young it, it girl. Was... You don't understand. <laughs> exactly. It was an accident. The animal abuse part was accident. I'm not a bad guy. Uh, Lo, I want to tell you, I want to reassure you that that cat is actually okay. Oh, good. Because we hear it meow <laughs> uh, after Veronica clocks the shit out of Cobb. Oh, yes. The cat meows and runs away. So every- the cat survived. No cats were harmed. Makes me feel better. James Franco doesn't seem to be particularly bothered about all the illegal videos of him uh, flying around the internet. He actually maybe might. Enjoy it. Uh, does that mean that Vinny won't get charged with anything? Would James Franco have to bring charges for Vinny to be charged? So the wiretapping can be a wobbler. So remember we talked about how if the police see a crime in front of them that's a misdemeanor, they can arrest you. If they don't mm-hmm. see a misdemeanor, someone has to press charges. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that they have enough evidence that there were so many wiretaps means they might be able to charge it as a felony and they wouldn't need James Franco um, or Fiddy to step up and testify. But um, I think you would probably need them in this case because they, it's their devices and whatnot. They would have to talk about where they got them from and, you know, get Vinny to confess. And is there evidence tying Vinny to the wiretapping other than Veronica knowing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they might they might be able to charge it. It normally um, would come down possibly to them suing Vinny if they know it's Vinny and they can prove mm. it's Vinny um, for civil damages, for invasion of privacy, um, intrusion upon seclusion. Um. Check out my solo record, Intrusion Upon Seclusion. <laughs> uh, they thought they were in private and Vinny was there with them all along. Wow. But again, Vinny, the videos are tame, so they may not care. He planted 30 of these things, so there could be a lot more to come. It's true. They could be more skinny jeans. And then, is it legal that Truman Mann revoke their job offer to Veronica because she doesn't answer the phone. Yes. I don't answer my phone ever, so <laughs> what am I facing? Yeah, New York is an at-will employment state, so yes, they could definitely, uh, oh. if she is an unreliable employee, which she clearly is, uh, revoke that job offer. Fair enough. And <clears throat> has anyone ever been exonerated uh, due to the implausibility of the words time to party coming out of their mouth before <laughs> right now when it happens to Weevil, who has been exonerated, obviously. I am sure. I am certain. I'd uh, stake my oath on it that nobody <laughs> says that, right? Unless they're saying it ironically. Was he saying it ironically? 
Well, he didn't say it. <laughs> Celeste Kane might say it because she accused him of accused saying, him of saying it. it. Yeah, no, I don't think so. No, I feel like I've learned so much from you as our resident legal expert in the last year and a half. Oh, thank you. It warms my cold, dead lawyer heart to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like I've taken in a lot of information from you that I have almost immediately forgotten. Immediately. You know that you're not supposed to bug people, though, Jenny. Yes. So that's a learning moment. I do know that. Or murder people. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) What if I really, really want to? Okay, then. Is that a good reason? (laughs) Just don't record it without their consent okay right yeah right 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 but what we would love to do is have a whole lowdown special episode where if people have questions about the legal process as depicted in film and television not i need some legal defense help me for free please low yeah but if they have questions about like i don't know what would be some of your faves niggly blonde Lily Blonde is very good, actually. Very accurate movie, accurate as far as uh, law school as well. Um, real case names and everything, which I appreciate. Wow. Uh, everyone's favorite lawyer movie when you're a lawyer is usually My Cousin Vinny. Excellent, Lovely. The best. Excellent expert testimony there from Marissa Tomei. Hell yeah. Immaculate film. Yeah, what are the ones that uh, you think need a bit more scrutiny? <laughs> Every Law & Order episode ever. That was going to be my my very first question. <laughs> so if there are like legal tropes that people have seen, we're just, you know, sort of generally watching crimey stuff because there's so much crimey stuff and we cannot watch it all in preparation. But if you're like, I often see lawyers doing this or that. Uh, low, is that real? Then submit that question at vmipod.com slash investigations <laughs> yes you could definitely ask me those questions uh just a reminder i'm not giving you any legal advice i'm not your lawyer there's no attorney client privilege unless you pay me no attorney podcast privilege yeah well very excited for the lowdown special send your questions in people via mypod.com slash yeah. investigations <laughs> junk junk and remember she's not your lawyer it's just about television just television exactly yeah yeah <laughs> Which lines stuck out to you, Jenny, in this half of the movie? Uh, Helen. I like, not for the invasiveness of uh, his actions, but for the absurdity of the follow-up. I do appreciate the back half when Vinny is expanding on uh, claiming to be the reason people know that Anne Hathaway has a vagina. I like that he says, before that, they thought, yeah, maybe, but (laughs) they didn't know. But also, Vinny, put your camera away and don't be a piece of shit. Yes. I liked when Veronica was indignant overhearing her being called a nosy bitch by the bug that she put in someone's flat. <laughs> and she's like, it's called curiosity. <laughs> Hell yeah. Neat. And how did you go with the, this half of the movie? I'm still having a great fucking time, Helen. I'm still having a great time living my life watching this movie, being entertained, understanding most of what's going on. I'm happy to... Look, there's things I could deduct points for, but I'm feeling very benevolent. So I'm going to keep it at five cats in a garbage can out of five possible cats in a garbage can to be released immediately after me announcing my score. That is going to be a very angry garbage can when you open it. (laughs) Oh, isn't it a shame that Keith doesn't wake up in the hospital and Alicia's there, like in season one? That would have been an improvement. Or 
I would have accepted Harmony. Oh, yeah. I would have accepted Harmony. Like I said earlier, I had such a better time watching this in installments. Yeah. The week-long break in the middle really cleared my head. I do think that the fact that Ruby's a red herring, Luke and Shitty Sean and Cobb, you're just a bit like, I don't know this guy, don't care that he's the murderer or coercive of Jir or whatever. I do think, what if they hadn't really introduced most of the new characters and concentrated on the ones they had who had like plenty of fallout? And also I was thinking when Veronica was like putting these cases together, wouldn't it make just so much more sense if she was a criminal defence lawyer than a Fortune 500 corporate lawyer? Yes. Correct. With deductions for like chaos and homophobia and that kind of shit. Yeah. I think I'm going to give it 3.9 free hogs hats. <laughs> yes. So that's a combined score of four. Correct. <laughs> Correct. It's highly subjective. <laughs> I guess that's the second half of the Veronica Mars movie investigated, Helen. Case closed. That was Veronica Mars Investigations, the Veronica Mars movie, part two. Read the first Veronica Mars novel, The Thousand Dollar Tan Line, and join us in two weeks to start investigating it. A lot of you have told us as well that the audiobook is the way to go for this one because Kristen Bell is the uh, narrator. Ooh. Find the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at VMIPod. This month, you can find some Mars Madness activity on Twitter. Helen has gathered some very compelling brackets. It's going to be a, <laughs> a, a stiff competition. The website where the show lives when it's not sneaking things into gift bags at the MTV Music Awards is vmipod.com. I am Jenny Owen Youngs. You can hear more of my speaking voice all over on my other podcast, Buffering the Vampire Slayer. And you can hear my singing voice in my own Jenny Owen Youngs music and also in the music of my new band, LAXs. Find mm. out more at jennyowenyoungs.com. Yay! Ha! I'm Helen Zaltzman and I make other podcasts such as Answer Me This and The Illusionist. And I was also on the podcast Anthems uh, talking about the word tourist. Like a little personal essay about the word tourist. Ooh. That's on the Anthems feed, which is a very interesting podcast and short. Love a short pod. Hard to argue with a combo of interesting and short, Helen. <laughs> this episode was edited and mixed by my friend and yours, Helen Zaltzman. Hi. Thanks to Ian Stedman for the, tran- <clears throat> the transcript. So sorry. The music is by Martin Austwick and Jenny Owen Youngs. The sheriff of our beautiful little town is Rishi K. Shearway. If you want to advertise on this show, or you know a company that does, contact Amanda via multitude.productions slash contact. And until next time, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Well, he's disappointed in me. I'm throwing my life away. He's got a fractured pelvis. Uh, he's losing a gin, but trying to convince me that he's actually hustling me the whole time and he's going to win eventually. And he's trapped in a bed where he has to watch TMZ all day. No! The choice is to watch TMZ or look at a fluorescent light. What's it going to be? 